Hi everybody! Welcome back to this week's gruesome bacon. If if I have a lisp, that's not because I naturally have a lisp. It's just because I bit my tongue in my sleep. And um, this is your host, your favorite crackhead, Jonathan, <laughs> aka Jonathan. And this is Alex, aka Alex. What's up, guys? All right, we haven't seen you guys for a week. Yeah. Ugh, missed you guys a lot. It was all John's fault. No, it's your fault. And <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm my apologies. Yeah. Uh, this week's episode is a bit late. It's all because of her. She has shit ton of stuff to do, so uh, we couldn't record. Listen, Miss Flo gave me a visit, and I was in agony, okay? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyway, without further ado, let's actually get into today's case. Um, it's kind of whack because it hits really, really close to home, for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, without further ado, let's just unwrap the story. Hmm. All right, Alex, um, today we're actually bringing everyone back to our home country of Canada. Oh, home and native land. You're All not right. singing along? No. I'm not Shania Twain or anything. I'm not going to try. Uh, whatever. <laughs> if you guys didn't know what that is, that's actually a national anthem. It's called oh, Canada. It's pretty great. Just go, go check it out. Yeah. We're in an amazing country with the largest maple syrup reserve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I know a lot of our listeners are actually not from Canada. So if you are not from Canada, let me tell you something about your perception about Canada. Yeah. Uh, it's probably 80% true, I guess. <laughs> it probably <laughs> pe- is. People think we say a lot of sorry and we, you know, say a lot of A's and a boot. Well, we don't say a boot, we say a boat. Um, <laughs> when John says it, it sounds the same, but it's about. It's about. Yeah. Out and about. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And you guys think the view in Canada is quite spectacular, which is true. Like when the pandy is over, feel free to pop yeah. over to Banff. You're going to have a great time. Yeah, actually, I want to go to Whistler because over there is so beautiful. Oh, my God. I've actually, okay, I haven't been to a lot of places um, in Canada in terms of the other provinces. I've been around Ontario, obviously. Wow. But I haven't, (laughs) no, it's actually something I want to do is travel around, you know, the whole country. Yeah, that's that's a great plan. Let's do it uh, next year. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully. Um, or hopefully, if all you guys get your vaccinations, you know, it'll be sooner. I'm still actually waiting to get vaccinated. Um, wow, <laughs> you know, for some reason. I'm on the waiting list. I am number like one million one hundred and thirty nine thousand. That's who I am on the list for what the, the booking. Heck. Yeah. Accident? Yeah. That's so effed up. And you know, on the side, it has like the little walking man. Yo, that little guy has a lot to go. He's like Terry Fox on a run. Like he has a bar. Oh my God. I'm not even on the list. So that's even sadder. But there's some places like I think churches and mosques and stuff that are actually giving on the vaccinations. So I'm going to try and go there. Well, my mom wants me to, but I don't want to, you know, die. I know. So <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm trying to finesse my boss to like host kind of like a workplace vaccination thing because you yeah. can actually do it in the uh, Imperial region now. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, without further ado, let's actually talk about this case. Actually, this case, uh, I, as I mentioned before, this case is hitting a little closer to home because it actually happened to my home province of Manitoba. It, just in case you guys didn't know, your boy is from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Shout out to my Winnipeggers. Oh, God. Yeah, well, <laughs> wow, that's rude. Actually, ironically, I actually saw a TikTok video the other day. A Canadian dude was actually listing out f- top five most dangerous things in Canada. The first one is polar bears. Yeah, actually, yeah, they're more dangerous than a grizzly. 
Yeah, they're. I mean, they're natural killers. So yeah. If you guys ever come across one, which is not very likely, stay away from that. Appreciate their beauty from distance for your own sakes. Yes. Yeah. They will rip off your face without hesitation. Totally. That and like mooses. Like people don't realize mooses? how dangerous oh, yeah. they actually are. Mooses are actually on the freaking yeah. list. Yeah. Oh, guess They're what? They're very dangerous. Guess what's the third most dangerous thing in Canada? The men. The people from Winnipeg. Like what the frick did we do to that dude? Like we didn't do anything. Like, wait, hold on. So the top most dangerous things in Canada... The third being men from Winnipeg? Yeah, like people from Winnipeg. Oh, Winnipegers. Man. Like, what did we do to them? <laughs> what are y'all doing over there? Okay. Um, to be fair, I really don't want to say this, but uh, for a few years, Winnipeg was actually titled the murder capital of Canada. <laughs> for a few years. Note to self, do not go there. No, it's a great place. If you go there, you're going to see two right. things. That's really All right, bad. fine. Uh, go there with a weapon for protection. Wow. As I mentioned, two things. The first one is the hospitality of Manitobas. We're super friendly. Mm-hmm. That's why when, you know, on their license plates, it always says uh, friendly Manitoba. <laughs> You're supposed to be friendly? Duh. How does that start? Well, I'm super friendly <laughs> as a person, just so you know. Um. So he says, so he claims. Oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, the second thing is the cold weather, obviously, because you, you've heard about, uh, the cold weather in, in Manitoba, right? It's really yeah. bad. It's yeah. literally really bad. Yeah. And I see people like cry about <laughs> the weather in Ontario sometimes. I'm like, this is a good day. Yeah. Go talk to your boy, Jonathan, and he knows what's popping, <laughs> like where he grew up. Yeah. Um, exactly. but like yeah. even, even in Ontario, like I say back in like the 90s or the early 2000s, like it used to be really, 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 really cold. And it was a normal for us. And I'm, now that it's getting warmer because of global warming, everyone's like <laughs> crying. Like, oh my God, snow on the ground. It's like, shut up. It's Canada. Yeah. Like, like, I, else do you, like I wouldn't know that because uh, I haven't been around for long enough here in Ontario. So I wouldn't know that. Um, anyway, from what I know right now, Ontario is pretty good in terms of weather. Yeah. It's like a lot better now. Like before, I remember going to school in like feet of snow and it wouldn't ever get called off. The most that we get would be like no buses, but I would still have to go because I didn't take the bus. Did you know that we used to have recesses like outside, like outdoors when it was minus 20 out there? Well, yeah. In Manitoba? We used to have them too. Really? They No, they would never keep us inside for that. Well, sometimes when it gets super now. extreme, they would like keep us inside. No, no, nah, nah, they'd make us nah, stay outside. Sad. And then the teachers would be like, they would actually do like rock, paper, scissors. Or they would do like some little <laughs> game to see which teacher would be outside on duty because none of them wanted to do it. But they had no hesitation putting us outside. Yeah, Tell welcome to Canada. Welcome, welcome back to Canada. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, all right let, let, let's talk about the story. Enough, enough, enough. Okay, let's talk about the story, actually. All right, um, Alex, for this week's episode, uh, we're starting with a young man. His name is Timothy, or Timothy. Timo- <laughs> Timothy? Do you know why I'm saying Timothy? Why? Because I was watching uh, Keegan and Key. <laughs> No, oh we're, my god! Oh yeah, like, Shaquelin and Aaron, Aaron, <laughs> Timothy, <Timothy>. prison, <laughs> prison. That's <laughs> no, right. So his name is Timothy, um, Timothy Richard 
McLean Jr. That's his full name. So, aka Timothy. Um, so we're just gonna refer him to um, refer to him as Tim in the future. Um, for the rest of this story. So Timothy, he was born in Victoria, British Columbia. So like we're from the same province, basically. Um, when yeah. his when he was a kid, his family actually decided to move to Manitoba. So he grew up. And he was raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba, in a small town outside of Winnipeg called Ellie. Okay. I know you have no idea where that is. And I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't been to any... Oh, actually, I've been to Montreal, but that's it. Ah, uh, Montreal is not that cool. Winnipeg is so much better. <laughs> um, yeah, so he growing up, Tim was actually described as... Super bubbly, super outgoing with a great personality. He loves to talk to people. So he's a t- mm-hmm. typical, you know. Oh, he was like a social butterfly then. Social butterfly slash class clown, just like myself. Just a clown, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not a clown. I'm a class clown. And, you know, like when I was in high school, my um, nickname, like, like given by my teacher, was actually Troublemaker. Yeah, I, I can see so, it. I so relate myself to Tim. All right, shout out to Tim. However, <clears throat> you know, um, well, the story is a tragedy. I don't, I don't know if you should shout out the person you're going to be talking about. It's a tragedy, but, you know, rest in peace, buddy. Okay. Um, anyway, so uh, we're going to throw you all the way back to the year of 2008. So in 2008, it was the summer of 2008. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't know that, so uh, wow. the 20 year olds here in Canada all like to find a summer job, uh, especially in Winnipeg. I would say, like, probably because if this town doesn't, it's a small town, doesn't have a lot to offer. So the teenagers or like the younger kids would like to find a job outside of Winnipeg or Manitoba just to have fun and also make some money, you know, in their pocket. Yeah, it makes sense. I actually record myself, I actually recalled myself um, finding a job when I was in university as well. I, I applied to be a um, you know, to be a banquet server at, um, you know, Fairmont uh, Lake Louise. However, they didn't do it. They didn't hire me. So shame on you, Fairmont. Look at me now. <laughs> Boom. Um, it's kind of sad. So um, Timothy, the great kid growing up, he always he had always been telling his parents because he is he has an entertainer kind of personality. Right. Yeah, he okay. literally told his dad and his stepmom that. Hey, guys, guess what? When I grow up, I'm going to be famous. Well, that's quite the premonition now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but just don't say that. It's really sad. What do you mean? Okay, fine. I won't say anything mean for now. You're just being really mean right now. Anyway, so um, Timothy, lucky for him. You know, when he was job hunting at the time, he actually found a perfect job for him and his friend. Guess what he was looking for or guess what job offer he got? Um, I'm going to say like McDonald's or Timmy's. Uh, 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 or maybe warehouse job? Mm-mm, that's too mediocre. Mediocre? Yeah, he found a job at mm-hmm. the X. Um, just like seeing Oh, my God. The yeah. X. Let's go to the X. X oh, baby. baby. <laughs> Oh my god! I even he found a job that, at wait, the hold, X. Wait, hold on. Side note: Is that still around the X? Yeah, we call it the X on the West Coast. Yeah, it's called the X. That's yeah, what we call it here. But too. people here call it CNE. CNE, right? Yeah, but I yeah I grew up knowing it as the X because of the commercial that used to play. Yeah, yeah. I still call it the X. We still call it like at least you know yeah. on the West Coast we still call it the the X. So yeah. the thing is, um, 
if you guys don't know, if you're from America, so it's pretty much the same thing as, you know, the carnivals that you guys have. It's only for Maybe summer. Maybe it's kind of like Six Flags. Kind of like Six kinda. Flags. However, it's more like it's not like a um, fixed location. Yeah. So um, it's like basically like a crew that, you know, during the summer, they're, they're just traveling be, uh, from the West Coast to the East Coast, um, stopping by some major cities and stay there for, for, for a bit, you know, like a few weeks or so. Yeah. So uh, the locals can actually just go have fun. Yeah, it usually happens, like, during a couple months for summer and because they have multiple locations. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, at the time, Tim found a job as a carny. So, uh, if you guys don't know, that's actually a Canadian sna- slang. Uh, snag. Slang. <laughs> slang. Um, so, a.k.a. Carnival Barker. So, they're just basically people working at the stands. Like, whether it's a food stand or a game stand, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they yell, hey, come check us. Come check us out. You yeah. know, have great food here. So, which, you know, like, it's, it's pretty good for his, for his personality. First it's, job, yeah, because yeah. he likes to talk to people. That's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect opportunity for him to pitch out, I guess, to people and totally. talk to people because he's comfortable, right? Totally. He is super comfortable talking to people. Um... At the time, he was actually working in Edmonton, out west, um, at the at the fair, at the time. So he had been working there for a while. You know, being away from home a lot of times, even myself, I feel homesick. Uh, homesick. Ugh, I can't freaking talk today. I feel homesick. Um, <clears throat> so on July 30th, which was a weekend, uh, I think it was a long weekend of some sort. So he decided, hey, guys, you know what? I miss my parents. I miss my friends and family back home. I'm going to go take a trip to Winnipeg. And after that, I'll come back to Edmonton. How about that? So he decided to book his ticket, travel by land. So he took a Greyhound bus back to Manitoba. Okay. On July 30th, he boarded on the bus 1170. So this number is going to be repeated a lot in the future when you read news and stuff. Because it's pertinent to the story. So this case actually happened on the highway, which is really, really sad. On a bus. On the Greyhound bus. So, uh, thus, a lot of people actually call this murder case the Greyhound murder or um, the Greyhound bus murder or the murder of Tim McLean. That's why you got that story like that. Oh, man. Yep. On July 30, uh, 30th, Timothy boarded the bus. So he was leaving from Edmonton, traveling all the way east towards Winnipeg uh, on the highway called Yellowhead Highway throughout the province of of Saskatchewan. So the drive, I would say, is about 14 hours if you drive nonstop. Also, depending on how fast you're driving, because I'm a fast driver myself. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't arrest me, officer, please. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I'm just a stunt driver and nothing else, you know. Hey, listen, if there's no one in front of you and no one behind, I mean, there's just no speed limit. It. Just just floor it. Basically. Yeah, there's no speed limit. But real talk, don't don't speed, guys. Just follow the rules of wherever you are, please. Sure. Whatever. Like you're a slow driver. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, at around 6.55 p.m., um, the bus actually stopped in a small town. It was already in Manitoba. So they crossed two provinces already from Alberta. Yeah. And then to the whole, like, they crossed the whole province of, Sask- of Saskatchewan. Um, it's actually really big, the province, if you look at the map. 
Yeah. Um, they were actually in Manitoba, so they stopped in a small town called Erickson. Um, I think it's a few hours outside of Winnipeg. I'm not sure. I've never been to Erickson. I probably mm-hmm. drove by once. I have no idea. At the time, uh, everyone was just, you know, stretching their legs out there. And they got some new passengers, actually, on board. Among those, uh, among those passengers, there was one guy. His name is Vincent Wigwen Lee. He goes by Vin, uh, Vince Lee. Okay. And that's also what he's known for, you know, on the newspaper and stuff. Right now, when you talk about this name in Winnipeg, it's, people are always going to be, oh, my God, that guy. <laughs> oh, man. Is he, like, a stain on, like, Manitoba? Basically, right now, yeah, no, it's not like a saying, but it's more like, um, you know, when because he's so infamous, this case is so notorious, actually made mm-hmm. national news. If yeah. you were residing in Canada in 2018, uh, 2008, you've probably heard about this case before. It's so notorious, it's so gory, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, at 6 55, everyone got back onto the bus, and the bus was about to leave again. So Vince got on the bus as well. He was sitting in the front row, um, basically like the front of the bus. You know, after sitting there for a while, he was thinking, hey, I don't really want to sit here anymore. So he kept on moving back, right? He was looking for um, another seat. At the time, he looked at Tim. Uh, This is going to be pertinent to the story. Tim was actually sitting in the very back of the bus, like like literally one row ahead of the toilet. You know, that's very back, right? Um, allegedly, according to Mr. Lee, uh, Tim actually acknowledged him. I don't know what acknowledgement means in his verdict. Well, maybe he just, you know, acknowledged his existence, I guess. Maybe he said hi to him or probably like, gave him a nod or something. Yeah, that's kind of a thing, though. So I'm not sure about Ontario. Like, in Toronto, I don't see a lot of people nodding at people. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very normal back in Winnipeg. So we nod on people when you're walking down the street. And we also say hi, good morning. Yeah. Stuff like that. Just being friendly. Yeah, I grew up doing that. So I still do it. And I think sometimes people get freaked out. Oh like, my God. why is this person talking to me? And like, I'm just trying to be polite, you know? After I moved to Toronto, it's like, I was considered the freak in yeah. the city. Because like, people are like, why the hell are you talking to me? I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, it's kind of like different from like when I was younger. Totally. Like even because I grew up in Mississauga and everyone's like friendly there wow. versus like Toronto and Brampton and everywhere else. <laughs> it's like it's very, very, very different. Yeah, very I might get jumped on the street, you know, walking, walking in Brampton. Well, just kidding. Whereas like Mississauga, I don't know. A? It's just nicer. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> um, anyway. So allegedly Tim acknowledged Mr. Lee. Probably just give him a smile just to be friendly. Or, what's up, bro? You, you, you good? You know, like that. And then instantly he actually decided to, you know what? I'm going to mind my own. I'm going to mind my own business. He put his headphones on and leaned his, head, uh, leaned his head against the window pane and decided to fall asleep. At about eight-ish, Mr. Lee was just chilling around. Guess what? He was really odd. I forgot to describe his... Uh, his appearance at the time, because okay. obviously, according to the witnesses, dude, uh, well, he's kind of a, kind of like a um, buff guy, buff, buff guy, um, okay. with shaved head. He was at he was in his forties with a shaved head, and mind this, it was almost nighttime, so the sun was setting. Dude was wearing sunglasses. He was wearing shades in the bus when it's getting dark. 
Um, yeah, that just radiates douchebag. You know what I mean? Like people that wear a freak in general. <laughs> like wearing sunglasses in the dark, or like people that do it inside buildings and stuff. I'm just like, ew. What like, is your what the deal? hell are you? You're, oh, you're weird. So cool. You gotta wear sunglasses. Huh? <laughs> Probably. <It's> so special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I would, I would like stay away from him. Right. Yeah. So he was wearing sunglasses and. In his hand, he had, like, you know, um, a roll of toilet paper. He just kept on playing with it. I don't know why. Like, why do you a bring A roll them? of toilet paper? A roll of toilet paper. For no reason. I mean, people play with their keys or, like, a toy or, like, fidget stuff or a hacky sack. And this man chose a no toilet paper idea. roll. <laughs> wait, wait, Like, a whole toilet paper roll or no, just, like, like a, a little brown piece? No, like a, like a roll of it. Like the, the the roll you use to oh, wipe your he was butt. Ready to take a dump in that butt. Probably. Um, oh my god. That's prior to uh, the attack. So at about like eight ish, according to a witness, Tim was actually asleep at the time. With as I mentioned before, with his head leaning against yeah. the window, minding his own business, with his yeah. headphones on. Right. Yeah. Mr. Lee decided to produce, like out of nowhere, a large freaking knife. And instantly oh turned God. to Tim and started stabbing him on his chest and his neck. Well, what the heck? This poor kid probably wanted to take a nap because he's on his way home. Yeah, like he had no he idea what the hell is going on. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. Yeah. And the witness, the key witness actually instantly noticed that and he freaked out. Yeah. And anybody sane would freak out. Totally. He started, uh, he actually started screaming. He's like, oh my God, someone's getting stabbed in the back of the bus. And he actually went to the, to the bus driver and the bus driver noticed, okay, something's going on in the back of the bus. So he was, oh my God, someone, someone's actually getting stabbed in the back. Can you please pull over? Oh my God, that's so dangerous. He's legit stabbing him. Oh my yeah. God. And instantly the bus driver noticed, oh, okay, something so is, sad. it's real. It's real. They're not playing around. He pulled over on the side of a road and all the passengers and him and, you know, himself. His name is Bruce Martin, just in case you're wondering. Don't sue me, please. <laughs> for, mentioning your name, for, for mentioning your name. They pulled over, fled the bus. So the guy ran all the way to the front and left the bus? Yeah, they left the bus. I, I, honestly, I'm not going to blame him for not rescuing Tim. You know what I'm saying? But it's, dude, at least Wait, do wait, something. wait, wait, wait. The driver fled the scene? Like, ran Everyone the bus? got off the bus without No one tried, hold on. No one tried to, like, save this kid, Tim? Not at the moment. <gasps> so they actually locked okay, that's it. that's totally different. They locked me. the door afterwards, right? Yeah. They were just on the, you know, at the side of the, of the road. In the meantime, Tim was actually struggling uh, with Mr. Lee on the bus so Mr. Lee was trying to stab him. Remember I told you he where he was sitting? He was sitting at the very, very back of the bus. Yeah. That come like that actually came into play. He was trying to crawl over the seats and stuff to 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 escape, right? But there was literally nowhere to go. Yeah. He could he could go nowhere because he was sitting at the very back. There wasn't a lot of room for him to like to climb around and stuff. That's where he realized, oh shoot, I'm doomed. Like, literally, yeah. like, I know where to go. You chose the worst part of the bus to possibly stab someone. And then there's only one point of entry in a Greyhound bus. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's the just very the front. front. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, even though, like, the bathroom, there's no way to get out. But through a window or even... At all. Hall, even if, like, you know, on some buses, the the toilet compartment actually pops out. Yeah. 
So you have to go through people's filth and stuff. It's gross, but yeah. that's a way to escape. But Greyhound buses are not like that. It's not even like that. So Tim was just basically trapped there. So he tried to climb the, you know, climb over the seats and stuff. Unfortunately, the attempt was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. He fell in between of the aisle. And then Mr. Did he get stuck? No, he didn't get stuck. He oh. fell on his back, I think. Mm. And then Mr. Lee actually jumped right on top of him and kept him stabbing, stabbing, stabbing. The whole time, he was just trying to attack him, trying to kill him, aiming for all the major spots, to trying to take his damn life. So he attacked the bus driver? No, just, just him. Bus oh. driver has... Oh, my God. But, like, the bus driver was... Not even on the bus at the moment. Oh, he's just, oh, man, this poor kid's trying to fight for his life. And then, yeah. Oh, man. So, um, okay, here's another guy. He's, he's, I would say, oh, my God, you're a saint, dude. You're such a nice guy. A truck driver was actually passing by that spot. So they were on the Trans-Canada Highway about, like, 30 kilometers away, like, 30, clo- uh, 30 kilometers west of um, the town of Portugal Prairie. Mm-hmm. That's about, like, uh, an hour west of Winnipeg. He was almost home. Oh, man. Um, it's really sad to say this, because god damn it. It's, it's actually very worrisome, thinking it's about how really you're bad. almost home and then, you know. Yeah, it's really sad to say this. Um, the dude pulled over, because when he was driving by, he saw, okay, a Greyhound bus was pulled over on the side of the road, and everyone was standing outside the bus. He knew something was up. He actually pulled over and got off the uh, of this truck went yeah. to talk to the driver. Well, at this point, the driver had already po- uh, called the police, right? Yeah. So RCMP also um, at the time already got the report. Somebody was getting stabbed on a bus, basically. Um, driver was talking to the truck driver. They're just exchanging words, and the truck and the bus driver was like, "Hey, you know what? Can you help me? Because we need to go back to the bus to to try to save that kid." Um, he's getting stabbed in the, um, he's getting stabbed on the bus and, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to try, but we're, everyone was so scared, so scared and I had to like basically get everyone else to the safe spots. That's why I had yeah. to leave him, you know, on board. So three of them, um, the key witness I mentioned before, the guy who screamed bloody murder for Tim, yeah. the bus driver and also the truck driver, the truck driver actually pulled out a crowbar and a hammer. Mm-hmm. For uh, for three of them to uh, as weapons basically, yeah, to go they have to use protection because this guy's armed, right? This freaking guy so, is uh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, they decided to go back into the bus, so they tried to attempt. At least they attempted to uh, to save Tim. However, the attempt was not successful because Mr. Lee was just like slashing his big ass knife towards them and chased them off the bus again. That's what happened. And at what? that, yeah, exactly. That's horrifying, though. That is horrifying. That you're telling me is you, you horrifying. Guys swung that crowbar as hard as you could. Because <laughs> nah. if one of them swings and he's trying to like block, like say the crowbar, the other person with the hammer could hit it at the same time. Yeah, I guess he wouldn't so. be able to block it. Uh, at that time, um, they got chased off the bus again. The driver actually locked the door again. At the point, they actually saw, well, when they're on board, they saw Tim. You know, there's no hope anymore. At that, at that oh point, he's, he was probably already dead. He was just on the ground? He was on the ground, lifeless. So, at that point, I guess all they could do was just trying to 
um, protect everybody off, you know, off board, mm-hmm. all the other passengers, and also try to keep the freaking killer on the bus, right? Obviously. Well, yeah, to keep him contained. To keep him yeah. contained, um, trying not to, you know, to wait for the police to arrive. So, um, you know what? During this whole time, guess mm-hmm. what, Mr. Lee did. What? I have no idea. This this story is crazy. I have no idea. Yeah, he. Um, first of all. He tried to restart the bus to drive away. What an asshole. Wait, he tried to restart Vinsley, the guy that stabbed Tim. Vinsley, um, he stabbed Tim, killed him, yeah. and he was trying to drive he was away. He trying to hijack the, the He was trying bus. to jack the bus. Yeah. Hijack, not jack. Whatever. <laughs> um, at the time. Thankfully, um, well, if, if, you, if you guys don't know how this whole thing works for, uh, for Greyhound bus... Or just a bus in general. Mm-hmm. But the driver, uh, they do have like an immobilizer. So they can immobilize the, the bus from okay. either inside or outside. So he actually used that thing to immobilize the whole bus. So the whole bus was not even movable. So mm-hmm. he couldn't drive away. So he got kind of trapped in there, I guess, in a sense. No, definitely. He was definitely trapped in there. If he couldn't get out and he couldn't drive away, like he's just a sitting duck at that point. Pretty much. So at like nine o'clock, you know, a lot of police officers actually got to the spot and they were kind of in a standoff kind of position and they actually organized a whole team of negotiators and also some some tactical units. Mm -hmm. So those, you know, high like task force to kind of deal with Mr. Lee at the point. However, because everyone was actually trapped outside, right? So yeah. um, some officers actually was helping, you know, in the meantime. Uh, the officers were trying to help the other, the rest of the passengers to flee the scene to um, to get out of there. Because it yeah. was really bad. Everyone was, like, either crying or vomiting on the road. Yeah. Um, because during the whole process, Mr. Lee didn't stop. Guess what he was doing? Was he stabbing other people? Uh-uh-uh. No, it was just him and Tim. Yeah. Dead Tim. On the bus, yeah, he was freaking like not just stabbing Tim, he decapitated him. <gasps> okay, yeah, that would throw. Yeah, that would make me throw up. And what he freaking did was he grabbed the head. Yeah, and he walked towards the window when everyone was standing outside looking at the bus. He freaking, well, with Tim's de- decapitated head in his hand, yeah. he was showing off like a freaking trophy to everybody. Oh, that's how freaking God. freaked up it was. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. It was traumatizing. That is very traumatizing. It was traumatizing. And then um, in the meantime, that was not just what he did. He did more. Yeah, mind this, he did more. After cutting off his head. Yeah. He started curving off, like, different parts of his body. He was chopping up this kid's whole body? Different parts of his body. He cut off his nose. Yeah. And gouged out his eyeballs mm-hmm. and also um, cut off his ears. Oh, my Lord. So he took apart his head, basically. Yes. That's what he was doing. And when the police officers got there. Yeah. Wow. RCMP. You know what? What can I say? F you. And you guys are freaked up for not doing anything. So when they're kind of standing outside and letting him, letting him do whatever he wants on the bus without arresting him right away, they witnessed that Mr. Lee consumed 
Mr. No. McLean's eyeballs that he gouged out. And also he curved out his... He started eating him? Raw. And well, he, yeah, he's not going to win the poker. <laughs> Stop. I'm sorry. I'm oh, my sorry. God. Like, he also oh curved out God. his heart and ate a part of his heart. That's why now he that's did. that's twisted. That is sick. That's sick and twisted. That's beyond fucked up. Yeah. Sorry. Don't mind his language. But this is really... I've never... Yeah. Wow. That's why he did. Uh, in the meantime, Mr. Mr. Police Officer is just, you know, walking around, chilling around, like, not doing shit. But they're seeing what's going on, right? Like, they're seeing him do all this stuff, right? Oh, my God. They're totally seeing everything. Like, all... In the meantime, you know, like, a part of the police force were trying to, you know, uh, help um, help the stranded, you know, group of passengers, yeah. right? Um, trying to transfer them out of there. I guess to make sure everyone's accounted for. Yeah, they're sending them to um, to Brandon, which is, like, three hours away. Oh, okay. So Wait I, a second. Wait a second. What about the bathroom? The bathroom for what? Like, was anybody in the bathroom? No, 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 oh. no, 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 no. Everyone was off for it. Okay, okay. So they're trying to help everyone, like, just literally transported everyone outside of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, at about, guess what? <laughs> if I tell you the timestamp, you're going to f- be freaking furious about it. Um, if you say more than an hour, <laughs> I'm going to be, oh, God. <laughs> at one thirty a.m. the second freaking day. That's when they chose to reprimand him? Uh, Mr. Lee attempt, attempted to uh, escape again by breaking the window. That's when they finally apprehended him. But, okay, wait, 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 hold on. So all this started from, like, what, 9.30, you said? No. Started, like, the killing, the stabbing yeah. started at, like, 8-ish, 8-something. 8.30 was the time where uh, RCMP and, um, and uh, oh, my God, so Portugal Pre got the report. And they didn't do anything? Nearly four freaking hours, almost five hours later, they finally apprehended him. So that's why, you know, this actually nah, raised a lot nah, of issues afterwards. A lot of people are out were just wondering, what the hell were you doing? You know, all the fucked nah, up in this. That's way too long. All the what, what the fuckness, like, that's yeah. been going on in there in the, in, during the whole process. Like, what the so hell were you doing? So they gave him time to cut off this poor kid's head. Mm-hmm. To take apart his face, basically. Yes. And cut out his heart and eat it. And they're just watching this happen. I think at this point, like, he has a knife. You're the cops. You have a gun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're not shooting to kill because you want to arrest him, right? Yeah. If you're not shooting to kill, you should at least shoot to, like, apprehend. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, not, like, shoot him in the head or anything, but definitely the hands or the shoulders. Uh. Okay, let me tell you about this African, this whole apprehension, like how he was apprehended. He got arrested basically by police shooting him twice with a freaking taser gun. Um, Not even a real yeah. gun, like a taser gun. I don't think gun. that's going to take down this guy. Well, he got taken down and well, he yeah, was gone. Like, yeah. That's, that's a little too late now, isn't it? It was way too late. And um, when he actually got apprehended, he got put into the, you know, the cruiser, the police cruiser, and they found a bag that contains Tim's, some of Tim's body parts. And also, guess where? Oh, my God. They started, you know, checking his body, like checking, checking his uh, clothing and stuff. Yeah. And found Tim's nose and two ears in his goddamn pocket. 
So they found his his ears and his nose in the guy's pocket. In like his was, pocket. He was trying to carry a souvenir or something? Yeah, he was. He wanted to take home some souvenirs from his murder, from his killing. Isn't that effed up? <sighs> yeah, that's really messed up. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was just, like, so I'm in furious. shock, honestly. Yeah. But guess what? This is not the end of it. Like, there's more infuriating part coming up. Stay tuned. Wait. It's not done yet. Oh, my God. Um... Yeah, the whole time, it was just so bad. So at the end of the night, um, they're trying to, you know, obviously, uh, he was finally arrested at this point. Well, thank God for that. Yeah, uh, they found parts of Tim's bar- uh, Tim's body in a plastic bag and also, you know, like a few parts in his pocket. But a lot of Tim's body parts were not even found. So, which well, means... Well, yeah, it means that he probably ingested it. He probably had eaten... Yeah. Those body parts. Yeah. Um, that was really bad. So the killing was done. Uh, the second day, basically, those uh, passengers got sent to Brandon, right? So they're staying there overnight. And the second day, um, finally, the company of Greyhound actually came out. The, speak, uh, the spokesperson actually came out to apologize and everything. Trying yeah. to, you know, trying to... F- Trying to rebuild their reputation, goddamn it, at this point. Like, I would be well, forever traumatized to well, board on any one of those bus. That's true. And unfortunately, it's not like the company's fault. You know what I mean? Like, they're they're making it accessible for everyone. But they didn't probably, like, like expect somebody to do such a heinous crime exactly, on I their guess. buses. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing is, do you know that? You know, when you board a air like a like a flight, you yeah. actually go through security and they check if you have any objects, yeah, they like do. You know, any weapons with they you. They do. But with Greyhound buses, they, don't do, they don't do that. With any other bus, I don't know what other um, company has buses, honestly. I, I mostly hear about Greyhound. Up here, anyways. I don't think. Or the go bus. The go bus. They don't. They don't, they don't check, check anything. They don't check no. anything, which is very dangerous. It's not so like um, unregulated, you know. Yeah. They don't regulate the whole thing. So at 10 a.m. in the morning, uh, Greyhound representatives actually took the other passengers, whoever experienced the whole thing, all the witnesses, to a store to replace their, their clothing, like or their their, uh, their clothing. Yeah. Um. Because a lot of their packages, like, their packages were effed up. Like, they're, like, soaked in blood. And they, <gasps> yeah, that's how bad it was. Um, those were not usable. Finally, those people um, um, took another bus to to still go home, right? At, like, 3.30-ish, they finally arrived in Winnipeg. And those people finally got to um, meet, reunite with their, um, their, family? their family friends. It was mm-hmm. just kind of the end of the story but not really so tell you what when the attack was happening yeah obviously because the police were caught and news press was was just going crazy because everyone's like, oh my god there's a stabbing you know on a greyhound bus on a, on a trans canada highway let's go get some uh, get some fresh juice Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone was spilling the tea. So like all the, the, you get, you get to see news everywhere. Attack, stabbing on, attack slash, uh, stabbing on the Greyhound bus and stuff. Yeah. Right. In the meantime, actually Tim, well at the time, Tim's parents were already divorced. They don't live together. Um, uh, Tim's mom, I, I assume she was a little closer to Tim. So Tim was supposed to, you know, go, go live with her at the time. Um, Tim's mom was working and she hadn't heard about, you know, the, the attack and she, you know, like you would never imagine when this kind of stuff happened, you would never imagine, okay, this, that victim was my kid. Right. Yeah. 
And up until later, when Tim's identity was actually released, like her friends were the ones who told her. Like, and same with the dad. The dad wait, was home. Wait, so no one bothered contacting the parents? They just had to hear it on the news? No, 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 no. Not at the po- not at the uh, at that moment, right? Mm-hmm. So when they actually finally released the identity of the victim, the friends actually started calling in, like, "Hey guys, sorry for your loss." And they're like, "What the hell are you talking about?" What do you mean? Like, sorry for my loss. What did I lose? Oh, <laughs> like, my like God. That. And then, they're, oh, we saw the news. Like, Tim was the victim of the uh, stabbing on the Graham bus. Oh and he God. got detac- decapitated and cannibalized. Yeah. As a parent, like, you would never want to hear that about so your sad. child. Or even, like, a family member or even a, a best friend. Like, you never want to hear that stuff, you know? You never want to hear that kind of so stuff. So imagine, like, nobody has told you, like, yeah, that was your kid. Like, a police officer hasn't come forward. It's people saying that they're sending in their condolences. Yeah, you there know? is a, yeah, uh, I'm not going to believe this. That's just hearsay. You guys are crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, my kid is still alive, you know, safe and sound. What are you talking about? Um, and later on, obviously, they got, you know, it was verified. It, they got contacted by um, by the police force, right? That's basically the end of it for the murder. Uh, okay, her name is Carol, uh, Tim's mom. Okay. Uh, at one of the interviews she had with CBC years later, it took her years to barely just, just to barely pick up her life again. It was so traumatizing. This is what she said. She said, nothing changed for everyone else. The traffic still went. The sun still shone. And it was still so maddening to me that the whole world just didn't even just stop. But mine did. It stopped, mm-hmm. and it took a long time to really want to get up every day. Oh, man. That's how sad it is. That sounds like a very heartbroken person. I mean, who wouldn't be a heartbroken person if that happened to them? Your you know? son, right? Yeah. Is that, was that her, like, only child? Uh, I actually didn't know that. I assume might mm-hmm. be. Um, okay, now I'm going to tell you a, a sadder part of this story. So, at the time, Tim was murdered. Brutally murdered, decapitated, and cannibalized. He was only 22. His life was just about to start. And at the time, he had a girlfriend back home in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Girlfriend was pregnant, and they were expecting a kid. No. Mm -hmm. So now this kid has to grow up without his dad, but he knows, like, what tragedy happened in his family. Exactly. Like, imagine how hard it would be for uh, the grandparents or even just the girlfriend to tell the son, hey, do you know how your dad died? He got killed. He got beheaded, like, beheaded and he got yeaten, got yeah. cannibalized. Sorry, why did you say yeaten? Well, he was eaten. No, you said yeet. Like Y-E-E-T. Really? Yeah. He got eaten. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I can't pronounce words now. Cause, cause, cause I have a lisp. Um, yeah, but that's tough. Like growing up, hearing like maybe the parents don't even want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Maybe they'll tell their kid, like his child, "Oh, just look up Greyhound bus murder, and you'll know about what happened to your father." You know, or hopefully they tell yeah. him about who he was before that, you know. Honestly, it's um, it's really hard for everybody. So at this time, I feel like, you know, without introducing Mr. Wigwan Lee, 
where Vince Wigren Lee is kind of unfair. I feel like we should talk about him. Who is this dude? Honestly, a lot of people, you might think, okay, they probably knew each other from before. They probably got into some sort of, you know, tumultuous altercation. altercation, Some tumultuous argument. No, they didn't know each other in prior. And they, they had never met each other before ever in their life. It was just all random. So let me tell you about Mr. Mr. Lee and his life. So Vincent Wigwin, a.k.a. Vince Lee, he was actually from Dandong, China. So he's a Chinese immigrant from China mm-hmm. to Canada. He was born on April 30th, 1968. He was exactly 40 years old. Oh, 18, this crime? 18 yeah. years older than Tim at that time in 2018, uh, 2008. Uh, when this murder happened in 1992, Mr. Lee actually graduated from Wuhan Institute of Technology. All right. Now, when we're talking about Wuhan, I know it's kind of sensitive because of coronavirus. But yeah, he graduated. He went to school in Wuhan. Okay. In China. Mm-hmm. Now, let's just normalize it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, he graduated from, uh, from the university or from the institute with a bachelor's degree in computer science. So from, to the, uh, from 1994 to 1998, Mr. Li was working in Beijing as a computer, en- computer science uh, engineer or a software, uh, a software en- engineer when he was uh, working in Beijing. And then in 2001, Mr. Li and his wife actually decided to move to Canada. So on June 11th, they officially moved to Canada. Um, you know, some newspaper might just say, you know, they moved to Canada in 2004, but the credible source actually stated that they came to Canada in 2001. And actually, he became a Canadian citizen in November 7th, 2006. So a lot of people, you know, some racist people mm-hmm. might say, hey, get the hell out of my country. You don't belong here. Well, he Canadian is Canadian. Yeah. yeah, he's a Canadian citizen. So you can't really say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because, you know, we're literally talking about racism the last episode, right? This is yeah. way worse, though. And then um, the psychiatrist, um, Stanley Yaren, who later examined Lee after this incident, uh, said that Lee was actually hospitalized in 2003 or 2004 after an incident with the OPP. Basically... Yeah, OPP is actually the Ontario Provincial Provincial Officer. Um, Basically, what they were doing, a provincial police officer, he was actually walking along the highway. This is what happened. So they actually did interview with him after locking him up. They're like, what the hell are you doing? Because apparently he was walking along the highway, like, aimlessly from Winnipeg. So they're like, like, mind this. If you walk... Like when you leave Winnipeg to cross the border into Ontario, where the OPP work, yeah, uh, in their jurisdiction, that's at least two hours of driving from Winnipeg. Yeah, so walking would be like a whole day, probably. Probably, apparently, he was hearing voices at the time telling him, you know, allegedly, God was telling him, oh, he should just walk down the highway, chase, chase the direction of God, or something like that. So, like, obviously, he was was not in the right state of mind. Was he, like, schizophrenic or something? That's what it sounds like. He is, actually. So, we're actually going to get into the most infuriating part of this whole case because the trial was just a bonafide shit show. It was so bad. 
So um, for Mr. Wei Lee, when he was living in Winnipeg, so he actually first moved to Canada and settled in Winnipeg, right? When yeah. he was in Winnipeg, he actually um, he couldn't find a job as you know a software engineer like what he had back home in China because of his language difficulties. Okay. Yeah, I mean, makes which sense. makes sense. Yeah. Right. Uh, so when he was in Winnipeg, he was working for. Um, Grant Memorial Church for about six months with his life, right? Like w- with his wife, and he was also kind of converted into a Christian. Okay. Yeah. Um, so afterwards, when you know when this whole thing blew up, uh, a lot of a lot of press actually went to talk to you know his ex employers, including you know um, the pre the uh, the priest of the church. Yeah. And just the pastor. The pastor mm-hmm. um, of of the of the church just to see okay how. What was him? Like, how was he behaving before this, right? Yeah. Surprisingly, he was actually considered a nice person. He was really peaceful. Like, he was... He was an upstanding citizen? Kind of. Um, He was really nice to everybody. Like, he never got into any arguments. He's not argumentative. He was Mm -hmm. really, really um, peaceful and subtle. Like, like very subtle. It's not like he was, you know, like me... Yeah, that sounds like the exact opposite of the person who committed the crime on that bus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like he didn't show any anger issues, you know, or any trouble before he quit his uh, his job with the with the church early spring of uh, 2005. Uh, and he worked as a forklift operator in Winnipeg while his work uh, his wife was working as a waitress at the restaurant in Winnipeg, uh, and then. He decided to move to Edmonton with his wife. So in 2006, that's why he quit his job, right? Okay. Um, basically, um, he moved to Edmonton first while his wife, to, to, I guess, to find a job in Edmonton first when his wife was still kind of in Winnipeg. And then she later joined him in Edmonton, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um... Later on, he actually uh, found jobs in Edmonton working, you know, for a newspaper delivery company and working okay. for a Walmart. A few weeks before this um, murder, mm-hmm. he quit. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say quit. He got let go by okay. Walmart because he got into a tumultuous, uh, tumultuous into a fight with somebody, tumultuous argument with his uh, co-worker, which okay. is very unlike him. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, and few days before um, before this accident, he actually talked to his boss at his news newspaper delivering company job, uh, newspaper delivery job. Uh, talked to his boss, saying that, "Hey, you know what? I need to have a few days off because I need to go to Winnipeg for a job interview." And then he booked his ticket, boarded on the bus to Winnipeg, but that bus was not where the murder happened so allegedly along the way Mm -hmm. he took two buses so he took the first bus and he stopped in erickson manitoba okay and he got off the bus in erickson and stayed there overnight burned off all of his personal belongings so i heard i'm not sure if this story is credible but i've heard about this Mm. when he was around there um, there was one kid, he was on his way to work, seeing this strange Asian dude sitting there, right? Yeah. With his computer out there. And he just, you know, he walked by him. Yeah. And he was, he had his computer. He was looking at his computer. 
uh, this young kid was looking at Mr. Lee's computer and he said, yeah. oh, that's really cool, right? And then he was like, do you want this computer? And the kid was like, um, uh, I don't have money. What are you talking about? Yeah. I can't really afford it. He's like, $500. And the kid was like, I don't have $500. I only have $50 in my pocket. And he was like, sure, $50. He wow. sold his computer to the kid for $50. Mm, sounds sketchy. Wonder what was going on. And guess what? Also, prior to leaving Edmonton himself to go on his job hunting trip back in Winnipeg, he left a note at home for his wife saying that, you know what? Please forget me. Yeah. He um, said goodbye, basically. Basically, he left a goodbye note saying that you deserve to be loved and yeah. just forget about me. And then he left his wife. All right. I actually looked through the note and mm-hmm. quote unquote said, I'm gone. Don't look for me. Wish you were happy. That's what he said. So and it was actually put in court as an exhibit. Yeah. Well, it has on. to be because technically he's saying that he's never coming back. So maybe it can be used as like premeditated Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And honestly, I'm just going to talk about the trial, which is the most infuriating part. So the trial finally commenced on March the 3rd, 2009, which is, what, like half a year later? Um, I personally find this extremely infuriating, believing he was acting on orders from God. He committed this crime. Mr. Vince Lee said that, um, you know, I attacked, mutilated, decapitated, and cannibalized part of this um, you know, uh, his body because I was hearing voices telling me that he was, you know, a force of evil. Hmm. Yeah. So Vince Lee actually pled not guilty to a, char- um, to a charge of second degree murder. So first yeah. of all, first of all, the freaking court considered this That's as second, second degree. degree. This is That's not definitely. second degree. No, 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 no. Mayhem is not second degree. Okay. Well, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm no expert. <laughs> I'm just saying that's just my personal opinion. Like, what the yeah, hell? No, no, that that can't be right. Yeah, even for second degree murder, he rejected. Like, he is not. No, I'm not guilty. He refused to plead guilty for that murder. He because he was doing God's work. Yes. <laughs> so the Crown and Defense had agreed on a statement of facts. Read that the court that suggested Lee was mentally ill at the time yeah. that the crime was committed. At the forensic uh, psychiatrist, Mr. Stanley Yaren, uh, the one I was yeah. talking about, yeah, um, also provided evidence that you know to prove that he was actually diagnosed as schizophrenic, uh, schizophrenia. So he was actually schizophrenic at the time. He was delusional. So he didn't. Yeah. He was not able to tell if his actions were right or wrong. Oh, he had like a warped perce- perception of of good and bad, basically. Yeah, of and, right and wrong. Yeah, exactly. At the time, he a com- morality. Yeah, he doesn't have morality at the time when the incident, or I wouldn't say incident anymore, when the murder happened. He yes. was experiencing. He was suffering from an uh, from a psychotic episode at the time. And he never got that checked out. Like, he never got, you know. That's the thing. So it was tormented by all the Turkulous nations at the time of slaying. Basically, Uh, that's what happened. And then Lee was, um, he was allegedly told by the voice of God to board the bus after carrying a concealed knife. 
yeah. a large damn knife. The only reason why he sat right next to Timothy was because Tim offered him a friendly greeting. Remember we kind of talked about this? Yeah. Tim didn't greet him. Tim acknowledged him. I would say how people would normally acknowledge you, they would nod at you. And then top say, hey, how are you doing? That's, that's most they're going to say in one pick. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, like, I doubt his greeting. Oh, how you doing? Please sit right next to me. I don't think he said that. I don't no. think he said anything like Maybe that. Maybe he shifted over to make it known, like, yeah, this seat's available or something. Probably. You know? like, Because, uh, obviously, if you want to sit here, I'm not going to freaking, like, occupy your seat. It's available. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, hey, you can sit here. Like, it's, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. You know, just being friendly. Oh, and, you know, and later the voice told Mr. Lee that Tim was actually a force of evil who would stab Lee, who would stab him unless he protect himself by killing him. Oh, my God. Yeah. And after the killing, though, remember, the killing was not it. He actually tortured the body like he mutilated the body and consumed it right (laughs) after the killing mr lee believed that tim had supernatural powers if he doesn't cut off his head he's gonna freaking come back and come back to life and kill him okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i don't know how to process this this is messed up dude he said if he didn't decapitate him didn't like mutilate his body and spread the body parts across the bus he would come back to life and just to okay. kill him. And it I'm sorry, I haven't I don't know what to say. It's just crazy. Like what the hell? And eventually, you know, in the uh, agreed uh, statement of facts, the defense say that Mr. Lee was actually apologizing when he got arrested but to, to the police officers. He literally said, Please just kill me. That's why he said to the officers, I'm guilty. I killed this person. Please just kill me. I don't deserve to live. Wow. Uh, mind this. In court, at least, in court in Canada, uh, for any murders, like first-degree murders, the, I guess all you can get is uh, life imprisonment, and yeah, there's no death row anymore. Yeah, yeah. With, it's 25 you know, years to life with chance of parole for first degree. I think for a second, like, it's uh, 25 years to life, no parole. No. No, first degree is actually uh, 25% parole. No, no, 25 years of parole. With yeah. possibility of parole after 25 years. That's yeah, why, yeah, I, that's know, what that's I, what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's it. But yeah. like if you do like second degree murder, it's no parole. They I just mean, throw it out. It was like an option. I think so. I think so. So eventually the defense is... You know, arguing that Mr. Lee is not criminally responsible for his actions due to his mental illnesses. And eventually, you know, uh, eventually the Crown decided, hey, you know what? He is not criminally responsible because he was schizophrenic and he was having an episode. And eventually he didn't have any jail time. He was sentenced to go to a mental facility Um. for... Like, to be there indefinitely. Like, indefinitely. Okay, you know what? Even though I would like to see that he had gotten jail time, I think, yeah, it'd be better if he got into a mental institution. Because clearly, okay, even though what he did was completely wrong, it was completely heinous, like, it was disgusting what he did. But if he's not in the right mentality, then maybe jail time is not the right thing for him. It's like... 
a mental institution. At least you're kind of satisfied, I guess, by looking at your face. Not not really satisfied, because at the same time, like, Tim is no, no longer alive. Now let me mess and up your was, mood. Oh, God. Let me mess up your mood. So, at, you know, at sentencing, he was yeah. basically sent to a mental facility, facility mm-hmm. um, to be treated, right? Okay. Uh, indefinitely. Um, that's what they decided to do. Um, and he would be, you know, placed under the authority of a provincial review board. Obviously, he needed to get reviewed every year. Yeah. On an annual sure. basis. Yeah. Uh, and also because he was schizophrenic, he needed to take meds, right? Yes. Yes, you have to. So he was actually sent to a mental facility outside of Winnipeg in the town of Selkirk because I knew that. Um, okay, here comes the plot twist. Um, that's going to fuck up your fuck up your mood for sure like because it messed with me so hard okay in february 2017 so recently yes four years, four ago, years ago yeah vince lee review uh received a you can't even say it i can't even say it i'm so pissed off he received an absolute discharge and is now what? live and now he's living independently in Manitoba, anywhere he wants, and he doesn't need to go do any report to the board because he, he was... have a parole officer or anything? There's no parole officer. Or he like, doesn't need to report anything on an annual basis. Actually, when that happened in 2017, I still remember. Mm-hmm. I was still in Winnipeg. Um, the whole city was just, like, flipped upside down. Everyone yeah. was talking about, hey, this is a bad idea. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. You're not supposed to let this crazy psychopath out of here. Like, that's, that's he's, walking, he's walking free now. That's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. That's not fair. And honestly, the majority of Winnipeggers, oh actually, God. they're like you. So the majority of Winnipeggers still believe that he poses a threat to the people around him. Oh, 100%. Of course he's a threat. Because, okay, even though he's on medication, if he even weans off of it even once, there is a high possibility that he's going to repeat that again. <laughs> and I'm sure Manitoba doesn't want that happening again. But obviously. he was granted the full discharge. And now oh he's walking free. Um, you want to hear something really effed up? More effed up than this? Remember I told you it hits really close to home? Yes. I've seen him in person. <gasps> walking down the damn street yeah. after after oh his my. discharge. Because his um, apartment was literally right across the street from where I used oh to work God. in the building. I have goosebumps. Yo, that would freak me out. Yeah. That would piss me off, too. I think I'd want to fight him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, how is he safe outside? Like... Has no one tried to beat him up? You know what I mean? Honestly, well, I mean, I kind of worry about his safety. <laughs> well, yeah, true. But if I'm you have sorry, a I'm laughing. People, I'm laughing because I really want that to happen to him. Like, I'm just that evil. Like, what the okay, hell? I actually, like, I'm really frustrated because he's, if he is truly, like, mentally ill, he deserves to be somewhere where people can look after him. You know, he doesn't need to be outside in public because he's a threat to the people around him, regardless of if he is on medication or not, he should be reporting to someone annually or at least like maybe even every quarterly, like every like three months. No, he doesn't need to now because he is completely free. And after his release, he changed his goddamn name to Well Baker. Well Baker. That's his name now. Well Baker. Like Well Baker. 
Like W E L L B A K E R. No. Will. Like, Will like W I L. Will Baker. Yeah. Okay. Like Will Smith. Sorry. Will Baker. Will Baker. I bit my tongue. I can talk. Sorry. No, no, it's not your fault. But like he had to change his name because he knew people would probably look for him. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. But now everybody knows like what his name is though. And like Like his his, oh my god, with with the publicity of this uh, of this case, everyone knows all he looks like. Well, yeah, obviously. Like even though he's aged, people will know what he looks like. Let me tell you something that's that's gonna piss you off. Again? Yeah. Uh, I read this on the on the news, so basically mm. I decided to cite this whole thing. He has been a model citizen. He lives every day with remorse about what he did, and he knows that, and he knows it was atrocious, and he will never forgive himself. So, Seth Chris Somerville, um, the chief executive of Schizophrenia Society of Canada, mm. who what? the hell are you? To decide he is not a goddamn threat. I'm, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. I'm getting really... Okay, I know that there are some people, you know, that might have schizophrenia that need to keep it under control. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But they have people, like doctors or therapists, that they have to meet to make sure that in everyday life they are able to take care of themselves. And this guy create like, not, sorry, committed such... He is crime. crime. Yeah. And he has no one to answer to for it? Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy to me. All right. That's it. So this is the end of this case. Oh, my God. But I'm going to tell you a little extended part of this case. What happened to those victims afterwards? No. I'm saying victims. I'm talking about the, the bystanders. Wit- yeah. The witnesses. The witnesses? Okay. Whoever witnessed the whole thing, they're, they're actually victims. Yeah. All right. First of all, the sadder part of the story, as I mentioned before, when Tim was murdered, he was 22 years old and he was actually expecting a kid yeah. with this girlfriend at the time, right? Um, about five, min- five months after this, this, this tragedy, the son was actually born, which was actually considered, I would say, it's a saving grace to the family and friends. Yeah. Honestly. Um, the birth of his child actually gave Tim's mom, um, Carol, kind of like a saving grace. Give her hope again. Yeah. Right? So according to Carol, actually, she said, you know, the kid is such a gift from God sent by sent by my son to give me a reason to get up every day and to take care mm-hmm. of. And I'm doing that to the best of my ability. So along with this hope, actually, this gift actually also brought grief and sadness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, since 2009, the boy has been in the middle of a bitter custody dispute between Carol and Colleen. Um, so that's between the girlfriend and the mom? The girlfriend and the mom. Okay. Um, they've been trying to, you know, fight for custody the whole time. Well, so, and, okay, here's my opinion. Instead of fighting over him, they should share custody because, like, yeah. even though it's, like, the girl, the girlfriend's child, that is the woman's grandchild, her only grandchild because of her son. Her son, son is murdered. Right? You so, know, I mean... Yeah. To have shared custody so that she has a right to see him, mm-hmm. they should do that, I think. Instead of fighting over the child, because, like, yeah. he's just stuck in the courts, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's not fair. So the boy has been living with Carol, Tim's mom, and her husband at, a, at, at right now yeah. since 2015. And they were awarded permanent, uh, permanent guardianship after a trial in February 2016. So good for Carol. She gets to uh, keep her grandkid. However, Colleen, the boy's mother, has 
hasn't seen her son since January 2018 after a dispute with Tim's mom and the agency supervising, you know, um, supervising visits. And she doesn't want to be interviewed about it. And her eyes were actually filled with tears and her voices, her voices shake mm-hmm. um, when she describes how much she misses her youngest kid, which is the mm-hmm. kid she had with Tim um, and how much she wants to see him. Well, okay, yeah, like, she has a That's right to her sad. own child. Yeah. I mean, I think she should have full custody, but, or shared custody with the grandmother, because although yeah. that's Tim's kid, that is that girl's son. True. It's not fair to her either. Like, she, like, even though the lady lost her kid, lost him, mm-hmm. she shouldn't make this other, his girlfriend lose out on the years with her son. Yeah. It's very unfair. Like, you had your time with your child, and even though... He met a tragic end. You don't want um, you don't want the girlfriend to miss out on years with her son that you had mm-hmm. with Tim. Totally, you know, totally. And honestly, you know, by two thousand and nineteen, the kid was ten years old, right? Yeah. So now they're kind of facing a even harsher situation to make the kid or to try to figure out a way to tell the truth about the kid's father's death. Well, I, I think he's he's too young now to really be learning about it because you don't know how he will handle that, you know? Mm-hmm. You should wait until he's like a teenager or something where he can actually comprehend what had happened. But the thing is, we have the internet, though. So the kid was actually, according to uh, Carol, Tim's mom, so she quote-unquote said... He knows that a very sick man did a very terrible thing and it all happened on a bus to his father. Um, and I've just, you know, recently learned that he knows some further details about the condition of his father. And we're, we're going to be working through that. And honestly, we don't want to tell him anymore. But if we don't, somebody else will go. Uh, we'll do it. It'll be all over the Internet anyway. He can access it himself. He's almost 10 now. Mm-hmm. And that was from um, basically from an interview with the mom back in 2018. And the kid is now 12, 13. Oh, my God. Yeah, but at the same time, you should be monitoring what he's looking at, right? Because even though, yeah, social media and the Internet is very open to everybody, you still have to know what your child or grandchild is looking at. That's your responsibility as a parent, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Um, honestly, that's the end of the story, pretty much, with, uh, with the family. Uh, here's a side story. Uh, one of the girls, she was on board, and she was considered one of those witnesses. <sighs> she suffered from mental illnesses after the trauma. Yeah. So she had PTSD. Mm-hmm. After a few years, she actually gave birth um, to her newborn baby. However, the newborn was actually apprehended by social workers because they were concerned that her illness and her post-traumatic stress disorder stemming from the attack would make her unfit to care for her own baby. So, Well, that's not fair. Do they even give her like, um, like a, not a test, but like a screening? They just took her kid? Honestly, she was very insecure the whole time she doesn't want to be around people she doesn't trust anybody she has well, a hard time sense. walking down the street okay be so she became people. like agoraphobic so that's like the almost fear of being outside yes 
she was almost almost agoraphobic, and mm-hmm. eventually, the baby was actually fostered um, for like eighteen months. However, she was returned to um, the the girl's mom. Okay. So the mom is officially um, taking care of the baby. So she's the, so her own child. Uh, her grand her gra- her, her grandchild. Okay, yeah. okay. So the grandma is actually um, taking care of the baby now, and she's the legal guardian. However, her daughter, which is the mom of yeah. the of the ch- of the child, is allowed to actually go visit. Okay. Uh, to to have you know some quality time some with the kid. relationship some with her relationship own child. with the child. Yeah, mm. which is kind of glad. I'm I'm just so glad that's happening. You know. Yeah. Cause that's frustrating to, to think that something tragic happened in your life and now, like the government wants to take your child away because they don't think you're fit enough to be the parent. I think that's very unfair. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, to end the story, I'm gonna tell you what this girl, this poor girl, said about Mr. Winsley, and the witness. The witness said. Okay. She said to me. Vincent Lee is not a monster. He's just someone that's unfortunately going through undiagnosed mental illnesses. Yeah, I do agree with that, but I don't agree with them just letting everything go. I uh, I agree that he did suffer and he should have gotten that looked after instead of being left alone and then he committed that crime. Yeah. Like, I think it's very wrong that it went left undiagnosed for so long. Exactly, especially it's it's been existing. So yeah. considering he was actually locked up by uh, by the OPP once, you know, and he was hospital hospitalized. Yeah. So that that says something. So he should have been, you know, seeing prof- seeking for professional help. And yeah, but maybe he also meds. didn't know what was going on. Maybe he thought it was normal, or uh, maybe his like his ex wife. Maybe she didn't um, she didn't see any warning signs. Probably. You know? Probably. Whew. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was frustrating. It's such a heavy case. It is heavy. And the most angering thing for me is that he's out and about just Freely. living his best life. As a free when man. When he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think he shouldn't. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely been affected emotionally like honestly when i was doing the research for this case i could barely sleep at night because it was so crazy Mm -hmm. i've heard about this case when i was uh younger so back in 2008 i've known about this case i've done intensive research about this case and it's just well it just hits really close to home but on uh on another note Manitoba is still a beautiful place, and Winnipeg is full of fun and amazing people. Most, I would say the majority of people are still very nice and very friendly, so don't be afraid to visit Winnipeg. People are still nice. People are still bright. Life Mm -hmm. is still bright, despite this darkness that happened in the whole history of Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, uh, at the end, I would say... I love Winnipeg. I love Manitoba. I will always be I will always be a Winnipegger. Yeah. You know, once a Winnipegger, always a Winnipegger. <laughs> well, one thing I will say in mm-hmm. terms of like mental health, a lot of people feel like it's a stigma still and they don't get things yeah. like looked after, they turn their nose up at it, you know what I mean? And I don't think it should be a problem, especially in this day and age. I think it should be something that's more openly talked about. So, like, 
if there are people that are undiagnosed, they will feel more comfortable reaching out to someone Mm -hmm. so that something like this would never repeat itself. Or, like, maybe, like, it'll be less frequent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh... Like, honestly, I I feel like I should go see a... Like a counselor of some, like sometimes, because you know, because we're going through so much every every yeah. day, you know. Especially with the pandemic, you know, some people cooped up at home, mm-hmm. like not going out. It, it takes a toll on you, you know. It does. It, it does. really does. Absolutely. All right. So this is everything for this week's podcast. Thanks for coming back. Uh, hope you. I mean, hopefully you had fun with us. And we'll see you next week before before we go. Yeah. Wear a mask. Don't forget to wear a mask. We mean you, Karen. Wear yeah, it. you, Karen. Wear a mask. Bye. Bye.